So welcome everybody to today's episode of XPOT in um, which we're going to talk about Tesla stock versus SpaceX stock and which is possibly the better investment if there is indeed a better choice. And I would like to welcome our very special guest today, Gali. Welcome to our um, episode and welcome to Colin for the very first time. So I hope nothing. I hope nothing is going to crash on you today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. So I don't think you need any kind of um, introduction, but um, so what we would like to hear from you is if you could make a recommendation to what any of us should we drop some of our Tesla stock and invest into SpaceX if we could. Yeah, I mean, I, I might be having to do that because I just went into debt to invest in SpaceX. So, um, I mean, I think SpaceX is valued at like 100 billion right now, which is one-tenth of Tesla. So, and Tesla's like 1.1 trillion or something. So... Both have the opportunity to be huge companies, but I think Tesla might be set up more to be like a for-profit institution that creates a really good return on, like, the equity has a lot of value for shareholders because the company's producing a huge amount of cash flow. With SpaceX, I'm less convinced that they have a core business that can make a ton of cash flow to justify a trillion-dollar valuation because that's what you need to, like, get a 10x on your investment today. So... Um, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to hear what all of you think, but um, that's high level. Yeah, so so basically, just so people know on stage uh, who we are uh, and what we're invested in. Well, I'm personally invested all in on 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 Tesla, and maybe our speakers can tell us uh, like whether they're invested in Tesla, Tesla and SpaceX, or only SpaceX. Uh, doesn't matter whether you're also diversified or not, but like, what do you hold SpaceX or and or Tesla? Yeah, full disclosure, uh, I own a lot of uh, Tesla stock, and my family owns SpaceX stock as well. Yeah, and I own um, Tesla stock, but I do not own SpaceX stock. But we probably can get onto why I'm not yet. But um, yeah, we can talk about this later. At the moment, I'm just invested into uh, Tesla. What about you, Omar? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I have some Tesla stock. Not <laughs> as much as some people would probably think. Um, and uh, my family also has some Tesla stock. I don't own any SpaceX stock, but uh, if I could, I might consider Okay, and I, I, I listen. You mentioned this, uh, I think, Gali, that you you were in a, also in an earlier round of, of SpaceX. You invested, and you basically fomoed yourself into like the second round. Uh, what made you uh, make that decision? Like, I, I know it was also a struggle for you because you went into debt, and this is basically against going against uh, your type of, of principles of investment and money management. But can you tell us, like, what were your thoughts about? Yeah, I'm gonna go into debt to to go into SpaceX. What made you make that move? Yeah, so I bought, I got SpaceX twice. Um, once was in, I want to say, June of 2020. 
at 240 per share with an 8% upfront fee and 10% carry. I'll just tell you all because it's super hard to invest in SpaceX and the opportunities are super rare and very people are, are not transparent about the process they go through to buy SpaceX and the fees. And I, I don't care. I, I, I'll, I'm an open book. So I want to tell you because I think it's important. So it's like I buy it at 240, but so it's a, it's like, you know, let's call it a 10 grand check. So it's a 10 grand check, but I have to pay 8% up front. So only 9,200 of it gets deployed. Then on top of that, we had all the SPV creation fees. We had to create a legal entity to buy because we didn't have enough money. So we had to pool all our money together. So we did that. Um, and that was another 3%. So then you're at like, you know, $9,000 that you deploy off your $10,000 investment. And then out of the profits, 10% of it goes back to that company that started it. So all in all, even though it seems like a great deal because you're buying at 240 per share and you hear that, you know, it's it's at 560 now, you basically bought it the equivalent of like 300 per share when it's all said and done. So that was the first deal. The Mm -hmm. second deal was at 420 per share with 20% carry and a 1% upfront fee. So yeah. And I, I mean, and and the reason why I went into debt and broke my rules to buy SpaceX, and it was mostly because the check minimum was massive. They were like, we need you to put in a huge amount of money. And that's kind of how it works because there's only these kind of in the know VC firms that are buying SpaceX. And so once you get an opportunity through a friend of a friend who knows somebody at one of those VC firms who's willing to sell it to you, they're always like, they have all the power. And I don't want to say they're douchebags about it, but they kind of are. And they're just like, you have two days to wire the money. You don't get to ask any questions. Like, like you're lucky we're even speaking to you right now, you know? And you're like, oh shit. Like, okay. Like I won't ask anything. I'll just wire you all this, this money instantly. And, but that's how you just have to do it. And so it's like, I probably might not get the opportunity to invest in SpaceX for years. And then who knows what the valuation will be. So that's why you kind of got to pull the trigger and do it when you get the chance. Okay. And uh, j- just to give a little context, uh, when uh, Sawyer invested uh, or, or his family invested in, in SpaceX, he got that opportunity as well. And I think it went really quick from the time that, you know, he, he got the call that it had to close. Yeah, my experience was very I think it's the same deal. Everything's super quick. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. (laughs) So, and we were basically in a private, like, clubhouse room, like, just chatting about it. And I was also FOMOing hard because, yeah, you had to be U.S., but then maybe not. And so I didn't get in on anything. And, of course, my mind went to trying to justify why is it a good thing, you know, not to to be able to invest in SpaceX. Uh, And we were starting, like, to freely discuss this. And... Um, half of us were, were basically, yeah, I, t- Tesla is a much better investment, uh, TAM, uh, on, on EVs, on energy, on, 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 um, uh, AI, on robotics. All these things are like right here on earth and they have like huge addressable markets and Tesla is like killing it on all these on uh, or will be killing it on all these markets and then we were on the flip side in my mind spacex was okay spacex is you know preserving the light of consciousness making humanity multi-planetary how do you value that i know there's a lot of uh like technologies that get developed and that have huge value uh, when you're doing these types of endeavors but how do you value this and of course there's there's starlink but making life multi-planetary like colonizing mars for me, at least on some, some level, it was a, it's a wonderful thing, but it's hard to value 
And basically it's a huge like black hole of capital where you have to like keep spending until that, that colony becomes like self-sustaining. So uh, of course we were also addressing maybe this is like a multi-generational investment. So maybe you're not going to profit from it, but maybe your kids or your grandkids are going to become like billionaires with your, your decisions like to buy SpaceX. So yeah, I was wondering like what made you guys, the, our two SpaceX investors on stage, Sawyer and Galley, what made you take that leap of, of putting deploying capital over there? Yeah, I, I guess I'll go first. Um, you know, I, I sort of invested into SpaceX for similar reasons to Galley in that, you know, besides Tesla, SpaceX has like one of the most inspiring missions really of any company. And, you know, as, as Elon said, like you want to wake up in the morning and think the future is going to be great. And that like that's that's what being like a spacefaring civilization is all about. It's like about believing in the future and thinking that the future will be better than the past. Um, another reason was sort of like diversification. Now, we were pretty heavily into Tesla, but, you know, um, just sort of offered some ba balancing out. Um, and also, like, I just want to, like, invest in a future like I want and believe in. Like, I don't want to just buy a company because, oh, yeah, the, the, like the price to earnings ratio is this. And when they hear the charts, like, that's just like boring to me. Um, and from a long term perspective, I think that's sort of the way to go. And I think there's also something to be said for just investing in anything Elon does. Like the man's a, the man's a <laughs> genius. Like anything he yes. touches is, turns to gold, essentially. He's like the best on entrepreneur in history. Um, so if anyone has an opportunity to like invest in something he's doing, like I would say, like, take it. Um, obviously, like you got to do your own diligence and only take you know a certain appropriate amount of risk. But um, looking at it longer term, you know, I think the actual profitability of going to Mars and like what the kind of re what kind of revenue we'll see, you know, obviously that's hard to calculate. But short term, like with, with with Starlink, I think there's much more of a sure bet there and a potential massive cash flow for for, for SpaceX in the hundreds of billions potentially every year. Um, just obviously Starlink's potential is something that, you know, I think a lot about. And I think obviously that'll be the main cash driver for SpaceX. And, you know, Elon has said this himself. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of potential in SpaceX. And I foresee the value of the company continuing to rise for years and years to come. And if it ever IPO'd, like the amount of like DMs, I'm sure all of us get like, of you know, how do you invest in SpaceX or how do I get SpaceX stock? Like I can't imagine SpaceX going public and it not just being like a $400, $500 billion company just right out of the gate. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's what I think is crazy if they floated it or. Well, I was just going to say if they float SpaceX, like let it trade freely, because think about how many hoops we're talking about to just buy a single share. Like, it, I think the value would go up quadruple or quintuple. So that's kind of my question for Elon. And like, and I think there's a lot of if you unpack that, maybe that is saying something about he doesn't want to. Like, if you're a 400 or $500 billion company, why wouldn't you want to raise capital at that price? Why wouldn't you want to not dilute as much when you raise money? Um, is it because you just can't fulfill into that valuation and you don't believe you could build a company that's worth $500 billion? I think that's part of it. That would be a big pressure. Because um, I think the control argument is kind of like, doesn't make sense to me. Like, oh, like there's too many shorts and haters on Tesla, which was kind of true, but it was also self-inflicted. And they don't want to sacrifice the goal of going to Mars by making SpaceX public. But it's also like you could just make it public and make the bylaws be we're going to Mars over a profit. And like it's in the bylaws. Elon has voting control. It's a dictatorship. Like I think they could get around that. Um, but I'm also really curious of the uh, 
the yep. valuation that you think Starlink is because at a hundred billion at SpaceX, I think, I think Starlink could be a hundred billion dollar company, but that's a lot easier said than done. But I'm less convinced that Starlink could be a 400 or $500 billion company. Yeah. I think, you know, long-term I, it's, I think it could, you know, produce like a hundred billion plus in revenue, but yeah, in terms of like, it's it's standalone um, value and whether it like it not, whether or not it, it IPOs. I mean, I know like Elon said it might happen in a couple of years, but I'm really not betting on that as a SpaceX investor. Um, I guess it really just it really depends how the Starlink um, deploying continues to go and like what the rates look like, how, what the profitability looks like. Um, and I'm curious like how much capital it's really going to take because obviously Starship's like way more cost efficient. Um, but I'm curious to see how much capital it'll really take to really like set up Mars. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what's, what's, what's the revenue generating look like on Mars? Because going to Mars is all basically like expenses, but then how does Mars, you know, everything that Mars is going to need is going to come from earth is going to have to be shipped over there. And I, I, I don't know if you guys remember at some point, uh, Elon mentioned that even if you landed on Mars and found like a pallet of crack cocaine, all, you know, palletized and wrapped, it wouldn't make any sense to bring that back to Earth. Like <laughs> it's, the cost is too prohibitive. It, there's nothing on Mars worth bringing back on Earth. So how, how do we see like the, the revenues of, of, a, of a Mars colony? And let's say it's self-sustaining at that point. Like, where does the revenue come from for, for, for SpaceX? How does SpaceX leverage that into, into like, growth? Do you guys have, have a take on that? Well, yeah, it's an interesting question. And, I mean, I think it's great what Sawyer said. I think a lot of him believe it about investing what you in what you believe in and all that. And, you know, Elon's great. But, you know from a classical investing perspective, you want an investment to make money, to uh, look good by traditional metrics. And that's really the reason why SpaceX is private is that, you know, they want to burn cash. This isn't a time where they're at the stage where Tesla is, where Tesla is a mature, profitable company producing profits. Now, you know, they want to be in the red if they need to, they don't want, uh, the quarterly investor pressure. And at some point in the future, they're going to mature to the point where uh, they can tell that story in a more effective way and have good earnings and, um, you know, not have employees freaking out because the valuation is changing every day because, you know, people aren't sure about the company's prospects or whatever. Like the fact that they're thinking about floating Starlink separately before floating SpaceX suggests they want to stay private for a while. This is going to become one of the largest private companies in the world. I mean, I guess it already is. And they are going to, you know, basically not focus on the short-term stuff that they need to. So that's why they don't want to float it. They want to focus on really long-term things. And they're investing a lot in Starlink right now and all that. Um, they want to offer really, really competitive prices, not get big contracts, but win by being the cheapest and bring the cost down and maybe bleed a little bit of red ink in the short term. But it's okay because you only need to make the private investors happy. 
And I think really when you have Starship up, if Starship is really what it lives up to be, and they fulfill their plan of basically using Starship for Earth-to-Earth travel, then you have a business case that's potentially disruptive to the aerospace industry and to air travel, even at the high end. So as well as all kinds of other use cases like commercial satellite launches and space tourism, visiting the moon, whatever. So, you know, the Mars colony is not going to be a moneymaker anytime soon, right? It's going to be a huge money sink. It's going to be potentially dangerous, cost lives. Um, They're not going to be generating any profits from Mars anytime soon. But if you totally galaxy brain, look at this in the very long term, the economy of Earth is like $98 trillion or something like that. It's really not actually that much as you think. The idea of colonizing other planets and setting up economies on other planets is the first thing that you know transcends the boundaries of this Earth, right? So if you're investing in a company, any company that company is bounded by the physical limitations of the earth. Like you can't produce infinitely because there's going to be a lot of emissions. You're going to use up all your natural resources, that kind of stuff. So the value of all the companies on earth is kind of bounded by the natural resources, the space, everything on earth. The idea of going and learning how to cost effectively set up civilizations on other planets and build new economies that could be as big or bigger than Earth's on these other planets. This is like the ultimate moonshot kind of crazy uh, investment and kind of literally a moonshot. I think I remember reading an article in early 2020, mid-2020, that took a quote, I think, from a meeting that Fidelity had with with, uh, Elon and SpaceX. And I think Elon basically said, like, you know, we're happy like you're putting in money, but don't expect any return on your investment for like 10 to 15 years. And I think like that's a fair assessment. And I think that's probably another reason why, you know, Elon really doesn't want to go public is because it is just going to take so long to potentially make money outside of Starlink, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think Gally and I are obviously locked in, too, for a certain period of time. So we can't like do anything with our shares. But, yeah, it's interesting. That would actually have been my next question to you guys. Like, how long are you locked in? And can you actually talk about it? I think it's, like, not really up to us. It's, like, when the liquidity event occurs. So it's, like, when SpaceX IPOs, that's basically what we're waiting for. Unless someone, buy, like, buys out a legal yeah. entity that we invested in because they want to buy it out sooner and we don't have voting control. We get forcefully bought out. But those are like the two situations. So it's pretty much like unknown. Like you're writing this check into the void. Um, wow. That's kind of scary. Yeah. It doesn't sound a lot like uh, you galley, like walk us through, like what was your, so you were already invested in it and then you get the call and you got two days to figure it out. Like what goes through your mind? Like, are, are, are you thinking about returns? Are you thinking about like your, your, your future kids or grandkids? Like, how does that work? Well, I'm like, I could, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, like in the back of my head, I was like, damn, this is such a once in a lifetime opportunity, but like 
I don't know, like Bitcoin might go up more, Ethereum might go up more on a percentage basis in the next 10 years, and it'll be liquid. So, I, but maybe that's just not true. But I, 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 so there in my head, it was like, okay, like 100 billion minus 20% carry all the way to like 2 trillion in 10 or 15 years. Like that's decent, but that's not a great IRR. Like I think maybe I could beat that. So that was one thing that was going through my head. But then it was like, well, what's the risk of that? Because the thing that I keep coming back to is like a company is just a group of people and SpaceX is hiring the world's smartest engineers. And so I wonder if that to me is just kind of this X factor of like, what will they create next? Like what's the next Starlink? Like, is it the the Starship um, interplanetary travel or, or earth to earth travel with cargo or people? And like, that's a huge new business that they spin out somehow um i don't know there's like a lot of i don't know but i guess what the reason why i did it why i come back to it is because like my favorite investments are when i like can't quite like fathom the upside like it just seems so disruptive and exciting and out there that it's like you can't even fathom it like bitcoin it's like oh my god this could be so big like it could literally change the whole world's financial system like just programmable money like it just seems so like who knows where this could go and then that's what like Omar was saying about SpaceX. Like, it's like, who knows, like, like if we actually do colonize other planets and like become a spacefaring civilization, like I could see SpaceX being like the most valuable company in the world by far. And like being the reason that we expand into new planets. And then it's like, okay, like that's kind of unlimited potential. And it's like, they have the smartest people in the world. They're not like stopping at the moon. They're not stopping at Mars. Like, this is like, that'll be the forefront of the whole new human economy and they'll be pushing it forward. So I think that's like the exciting bull case. And I was like, that's too good to pass up. And like Elon, we know we all love Elon, but like, I just think he, he's so much the goat that like, yeah. And then it's like, well, Tesla's worth 1.1 trillion. I could always flip my Tesla and buy SpaceX. Like, I don't know if I would buy Tesla and like if Tesla was a hundred billion, I'd way rather own Tesla than SpaceX. But at 10 times the valuation, like, I think Tesla, because it's in the public markets, is, like, overpriced. SpaceX is probably underpriced. Interesting. So, so basically, like, there was a um, uh, – on very high level, there was, like, a humanity-scale, like, goodwill investment. Like, what Sawyer was mentioning, like, the, the invest in a future you want to you, you be part of. Uh, then there was like an exclusivity, like this is once in a lifetime opportunity. I got to pull the trigger on this. But also uh, what I heard you mention is there's this whole, and we haven't talked about it a lot, even in our little private discussions, like the point to point on earth, like anywhere in the world within 40 minutes, I think uh, that's like underappreciated. If they can like make that happen, this is also revolutionizes here on earth. And fourth, there's what, Omar said, which is, I think, a, a super valid point is like, you know, Earth is finite. And if we want to grow beyond, we're going to have to like, go beyond Earth. So creating all, whole new economies, which have very different price structures, because like we said, like nothing uh, from Mars will be going back to Earth. And if they're self-sustaining, everything over there will have its own, uh, you know, uh, value like water and fuel and, and all that sort of stuff. And like if they start like extracting ore or whatever to like get to make steel or whatever, you know, it's like those those commodities are not going to be priced at the price of Earth. And being able to invest in, in a whole new economy 
is something that who knows where that brings us. And I would add to that. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch because I'm a big a sci-fi fan, but like the the, the show, uh, The Expanse, uh, a lot of innovation like was developed on Mars because they needed it like to survive. Uh, it was super important to them, but those innovation uh, like also transformed like the whole solar system, even like the the economy on Earth. It had an impact. So I'm also seeing that uh, this side that Gali mentioned where we don't know where what's going to come out of it. Like who knows all these smart engineers and scientists like working together under one roof with great leadership, uh, what they'll come up with. It's yeah, it, it boggles the mind. By the way, we we've had a caller like patiently waiting. Uh, let's, let's, let's take a caller like Elvis. You're up unmute. What's your question or comment? Oh, he left. Or maybe he pressed the wrong button. <laughs> oh, there we go again. Elvis. Yes, I pressed the wrong button. So uh, I, I wanted to say a couple of things. First and foremost, uh, if you guys get a chance to invest and don't have all the money that you want or whatever, I'd like to invest as well. So whenever you get a chance... Let me know. Just ping me. Hey, Elvis, would you still want to invest? Here, you have a chance here. Um, that would be the first thing I wanted to say. I really would like to invest in SpaceX. Then the second thing is, um, I, I think that uh, nobody is thinking about how SpaceX will make money on, on, on Mars right now. But as soon as SpaceX can get to Mars uh, safely, uh, there will be thousands of companies on Earth that will want to get there to do a land grab or whatever, you know? Um, and I think that would be uh, the, 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 the most amazing thing that will happen um, probably in five to ten years or so. Um, and that would be a great opportunity for SpaceX to, to, to make money. Um, and that is to uh, offer other companies the possibility to go to Mars to do business, uh, whether on Mars or between Mars and Earth. Um, we're talking about Starlink. Starlink is uh, right now a money pit. Uh, they're losing money uh, even by uh, selling the, the, the dishes and everything. Um, sending uh, satellites into lower third bit. Um, that's very expensive still. And uh, it, the Starlink won't be cash flow positive for quite a few years from now. But when, we, when it will be, it will be just like Tesla. Once they start being cash flow positive, they'll, uh, they'll continue to be cash flow positive forever. Um, so. Uh, uh, when 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 they, they do spin off Starlink, then um, then that's a sign that Starlink is is profitable and uh, and uh, it, it will be a great opportunity. Uh, that's that's basically what I wanted to say for now. Thanks a lot, Elvis. Uh, we have uh, Ryan that joined us on stage. Hi, Ryan. Oh, thank you for having me join. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I just want to call back a couple things. What Omar said, I completely agree with. 
as far as just like how we have to think of it very differently than any other type of investment. Um, we're talking about an entirely different planet with its own economy effectively. And, you know, I just want to highlight just like kind of different models that that can be thought about. You know, there's obviously more of a colonial model, which I think was kind of discussed at the beginning, which is, oh, you know, that's a great place for us to retrieve assets you know, mine value. And I, I don't think that we should be thinking of it as that. I think you should see SpaceX as a, a vector, almost more like a railroad. You know, that we're, we're connecting uh, potentially two of the biggest uh, economies that, that we've ever known, you know, the global economy with Mars's economy. And, you know, there's obviously a, a percent to be taken in being the railroad between those two economies. And, you know, getting to like Tesla, basically... I see Tesla as being one of the best, if not the best, tools for you know energy uh, consumption and creation, uh, with consumption being in their vehicles, as well as maybe some of their future home products. And so, as, as far as like the business models, which I I try not to highlight the business models. I think their products and their missions speak for themselves. But the business model is Tesla offers transportation and energy creation and consumption. In, in making the best products for that. And they're working to make the best products for that across the board. And the, the robot is a little bit harder for me to define. So maybe there's more there with AI that I don't fully understand. But really what I look at with SpaceX is they are finding the way to make a railroad, a major connector. And you know, even if they just take a 1% between every, you know, effective physical transaction between those, those two spaces, the, 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 SpaceX is clearly going to be the biggest company I won't even say in the world, but you know, in, in the universe, because they can facilitate so much more between major economies or the economies. Yeah, I, I, I think you make a very valid point here that even if uh, what Elvis was mentioning earlier, like a company is wanting to now that they have access to this whole other planet that they want to start developing there the railroad rail will be like SpaceX to like shuttle them back and forth. So yeah, uh, building that economy, that railroad will be like super valuable. I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, and then, and they can charge whatever they want for it. You know, there'll be a monopoly on transportation in that way for a while. And I don't think they should, and I don't think Elon will, but I mean, if you had that ability, you, I mean, I, you exceed government capabilities. You exceed, there's so much, there uh in terms of value obviously regulation will have to step in and prices will have to be set but i i just can't imagine any single company providing more value to humanity than what spacex is potentially going to do that's obviously why i also think tesla is going to be the largest company in the world because they're providing the most value to the world i think tesla will be the biggest car company <laughs> and maybe the biggest Like just out of curiosity, who here? Uh, let's say in like five to ten years, we're like you can go to Mars, like for even like just as a tourist and come back. Who here on stage would would do this? I don't think I'd do it in ten years because you're you're looking at like six to eight months, like each way. I don't know. Yeah, but it's Mars. I consider it galley. <laughs> Gally, would would you launch off this uh, this blue rock and, and and go to Mars? Uh, maybe, but I feel like it. I want them to make it perfect. 
Like, it needs to be, like, fun by the time I get there. Because I'm worried it won't actually be that yeah. fun. And, like, well, the, the, the eight months will probably be fun. Like, he talked about having a bar and everything. Yeah. Dude, did you watch that There's already a bar documentary? Yeah. Like, just going to orbit looks like a shit show, okay? Let alone going to Mars. We got a <laughs> Yeah, I'm not so sure because, like, I moved overseas two times, once, no, actually twice with kids, and it's not easy to do this. And, like, moving to Mars is a whole different story, especially if you want to move, like, oh, a come family. On. Come on. No, it's, trust me, it's complicated. Like, we, we all saw the movie, The Robinsons, like, they, they leave the galaxy or whatever. <laughs> it's, it doesn't look that hard. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a long trip, and you know, I I have kids that when when we leave home, like after two minutes, they ask, "Are we there yet?" And like a trip to Mars is a little <laughs> bit longer, so I'm not sure I would have the nerves actually to to take like a, such a long trip with with a family. I'm not so sure. What about what about you, Omar? Are you an explorer, an adventurer? <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know, you know, if it's easy, I guess I'll go check it out, maybe, when I'm, like, 70 or whatever. (laughs) This is a little off topic, but something I've always wondered about is, like, if SpaceX goes there, like, obviously, they're, like, the first humans there and stuff, like, first company. Like, what are the laws on the actual land? Like, does SpaceX own, like... There are no laws, you're on Mars. Who's gonna show up, (laughs) the cops? Fucking ass is gonna be pissed. (laughs) If you want to shoot someone in the face, you can shoot them right in the face. No one's going to do anything except maybe the other people there. <laughs> okay, so you want to bring Aaron Greenspan with you to Mars, right? <laughs> no, no. I actually, I actually heard that Missy Cummings will be the mayor of Mars. Oh, that'll go well. <laughs> All right, so so we have a few more callers in the queue. Let's take the next one, Jason. Jason, you're up. Unmute. Yeah, guys. Uh, thanks for thanks for doing this, Gaddy. What's up? It's Jason from uh, Guap. So my my question is, well, not really a question. Um, so we could invest in SpaceX through Barron's funds, and I want to ask both Sawyer and, and Gaddy. You know, it's five percent of the Barron's funds right now. Is that a way for us as listeners and you know, to go to British? greater community to get a piece of SpaceX indirectly and wait for the actual um, open market chance to get into SpaceX. What do you guys think on that? It's, I think it's like 5% of the hyper, um, the band's funds right now. I, I personally think it's, that is one way, but it's just too small. Like you're buying five cents. So SpaceX has to go up 20 X before it's your, the main thing. I don't know. It just seems like it's too small. At five percent, yeah, I've always mm. known about that option, but it's like it doesn't didn't never seemed worth it to me. Like it's like it is it's just too small of an allocation, five percent. Like and then you're only ninety or five percent of other stuff. I think Tesla's in there. It might be in there. I can't remember what percent it is. Yeah, it's in there. But like, yeah, yeah it didn't never seemed worth it to me. Yeah, I wish there was a good easy way, and it seems like Elon. I don't know. He made he recently made some tweets about basically saying like they were like oh spacex is never gonna ipo and then he replied being like that was a long time ago or something and so that to me hinted that like he's thinking about different options um 
Yeah. Maybe one thing we could briefly touch on, uh, Galley, yeah. is, and sorry, Jason, to cut you off, um, and I saw your thread on this today, is like the creditor, accredited investor rules are like such BS, and like the barrier of entry is just so ridiculous. And like there's so many people that I think are like, are either like qualified or smart enough or have enough money, but because of like the accredited or qualified investor rules, they can't obviously invest into SpaceX or other private companies. So do you think at some point these, these, these rules will change? Yeah, I hope they'll change. It's just a lot of the VC industry is not like, like they don't want it to change because that's why they have like this kind of monopoly on all the best startup deals. So, but I think it will change. Like I think when you have companies like Carta that are building the and Republic that just raised 150 million from Valor, who is like the first check into Tesla and SpaceX, which is pretty crazy. But those companies are building marketplaces for private investments. And so now you have new players on the political scene, as, as lame as it sounds, like lobbying is bribery and that's what's going to get it done. Like now you have new billion dollar companies that didn't exist in a new category where they're incentivized to change the laws because their user base is restricted based on who's accredited. So they're extremely incentivized to start changing these laws and make everyone and remove them so that they can 100x their user base instantly. And so that is to me gives me the most hope is that like as those institutions rise in power they will change the laws because it's in their best interests it's just gonna yeah and from what you told me uh sawyer uh there's not like a like a background check of of any type like you basically have to sign documents that you know uh to to basically protect the entity that's actually holding the shares that you are uh you know uh, savvy uh, accredited investor and that you have this much capital but there's no like actual checking of this right all right i don't know if i can like even comment on that publicly to be honest like i'll have to check i'll get back to you on that all right what about you galley did you did you have to go like jump to, through hoops to like prove that you were an accredited investor or just like sign a piece of paper that said you were no you mostly just check a box and say you are exactly so it's basically for their protections rather than like uh, an actual like background check uh any follow-up jason no um uh, just for i know you asked the question would you go to mars and for me the answer is yes i'll go right now absolutely really? you take that risk wow that's amazing I, I i think you're not alone that's, though i think a lot of people if you think about the uh, the spirit of uh, adventure and exploration that is ingrained into the u.s and into a lot of people i think going maybe, to another planet into humanity yeah as a whole uh and a, a lot of people will be in different uh spaces on that spectrum of wanting to take these risks but i think uh a sizable portion of people would actually do it and just like say, go, let's go. I, I think another thing SpaceX is doing is sort of reigniting that level of curiosity that people sort of had in, you know, the late sixties when we originally went to the moon that I think has sort of, has sort of dissipated since then with the, our current space program. Cause like our current space program, I mean, it's pretty uninspiring to be honest, but what SpaceX is, is doing is it's, I think it's really inspiring a lot of just of, of the general public. Yeah, I applied for the uh, the inspiration for it and also the Dear Moon. Didn't get it, but that's not the point. The point is, to your point, Sawyer, like, there's stuff for us to be inspired about, and SpaceX is the only one that's really doing that right now. 
Yeah, and let's be honest that there will be probably like some moon opportunities before Mars. So probably like taking a vacation on the moon or something will probably happen much sooner than uh, colonizing Mars. Uh, being able to like move your yourself to Mars as a whole. Moon Moon Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, Moon Airbnb. There you go. Uh, it's, the, the voyage is much shorter, so there's that. There's not the eight months. Oh my God, what am I going to do for eight months? Uh, and it's it's so much closer than Mars that I think people will. And and this is how you you, you change mentalities. You know, like before air travel, everybody was moving with boats, crossing continents, and air travel like uh, revolutionized this this thing and made the earth so much smaller and uh, now it's nobody thinks about it you know you board a plane and it's 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 so common it's so run-of-the-mill that you don't even think about like the marvel of you know being uh, 30,000 feet up in the air and like a couch basically going to your destination and I think with space travel a lot of the same things will happen for now it's like the elite but it started with inspiration for taking four ordinary people and sending them like for three days into orbit uh, then you know to the moon and then to Mars and then the rest of the solar system and maybe beyond Thanks a lot, Jason. Right Take the next caller, V. Vi V. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It, it, it's V. Can you guys hear me? V. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hey. Uh, good to be on. Um, just a really funny story. I, I'm, I'm on solar and backup battery right now because I literally installed, you know, so Tesla solar panels uh three weeks ago and had my first real power outage seven hours so the only reason i'm able to work and be on this call is because of tesla running on you know battery backup power for the next 24 hours i think the power outage is like seven hours so just it's kind of a funny you know story to share but uh i also want to mention that you know, I have a little bit of SpaceX, right? And one of the sites you guys all should check into is Micro Ventures. And Dave Lee, like literally two years ago, kind of mentioned this website. If you sign up and you check the list as an accredited investor, then sometimes they have uh, offers. You know, I, I can't give details, but it comes quick, like Gally said. By the way, Gally, I'm part of... Uh, you know, hyperquap. So, you know, shout out. Um, but um, <laughs> um, so super excited to kind of, you know, kind of get to chat with you and, and the whole crew. <laughs> but um, I, I think a couple of things to say about kind of the way I thought I thought about it before jumping in, even though I thought the valuation and fees were, you know, a little bit expensive. But to me, it's the concept of asymmetrical return creating generational wealth and a, a, a small percentage of your portfolio in an investment like SpaceX makes a lot of sense, right? And I know we're a lot of us here are investors in, in, in um, Tesla. So as Tesla grows and you hit that, you know, magical 1 million number, then you should think about, hey, if I have a million dollars in Tesla, what's the harm in carving out 25, 50, 100K to create generational wealth? Right. So that's how I think about it before I pulled the trigger. And I said it, it's kind of a call option on Elon's future genius and strategy. And I, I, I tend to believe that Elon knows what he's doing because 
he has the best engineers in SpaceX, right? And these engineers all have equity shares in SpaceX. So he's got to find a way to keep them engaged and happy for the long run. So I think Starlink is one of those levers that he can pull. When he's ready, he will. You know, and a part of this, why you know, micro um, you know, ventures can offer some of these secondary market things, I think is he could, Elon, I think, has probably a clue. I'm guessing. This is all personal opinion, by the way. I, I don't know this for a fact. But there's probably some early investors and maybe some key employees under Elon's wing that says, hey, Elon, I, I've been here for 10 years with SpaceX. I got to liquidate some. And I think they all have to get his approval. And he allows some shares to be sold in the secondary market. And that's how some of us who are accredited investors are able to get in, right? So I would encourage everybody to look up micro ventures and, you know, find different, you know, avenues and, and allocate a little bit of your Tesla portfolio, you know, whether it's 5% or 10%, something like that, I think to me makes a lot of sense. And in my head, it's minimum of five to 10 years before seeing any kind of ROI, maybe 10 years plus, right? And the way I think about it is I tell my kids, I'm like, hey, instead of spending your allowance on some crappy game or some toy or some clothes, whatever, you know, I said, I'll give you an interest-free loan, $1,000 each. You want 1,000 shares of SpaceX? Here, you own it. I write them a little note and I get them engaged, excited about their future, right? So now they, each of my kids has $1,000 worth of SpaceX. You know, it kind of, to me, it's about creating that kind of excitement about the future. And at the same time, you know, if it's a, it's a small enough part of your portfolio, it makes sense because the asymmetrical return is just, I think, tremendous, right? So I think that's how I look at it. And that's kind of my thought process as I, you know, uh, kind of made, made that commitment to, to invest in SpaceX. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. I also wanted to touch on a lot, uh, another thing that um, Sawyer had mentioned that, and maybe Gally can, can, can maybe vouch for it as well, is that being in SpaceX, uh, being able to invest in SpaceX might give you like uh, an in to maybe invest in Neuralink and Boring Company uh, in the future. Uh, was that ever a consideration to, for you two, like Sawyer and Gally? Yeah, I'll speak. Um, you know, it wasn't like it really wasn't because like i think you know spacex was just all that was on my mind but it's 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 potentially a byproduct long term of you know our investment into spacex but you know it's really it's going to be because because both neuralink and born company are such small companies and the amount that they raise you know is usually pretty private and such a small amount that it's going to be pretty hard for people like us to be able to invest anytime soon What about you, Gally? Did you, did you, was that a consideration uh, once you're like an investor in SpaceX that you might get opportunities to invest in Neuralink or, or Boring Company in the future? Um, no, I don't think that's part of it. Um, yeah, although I'd love to. And Elon said that he'll give uh, Tesla shareholders priority in Starlink. And um, but I, I don't know, that to me kind of seemed like the let's go private 420 tweet where he said it, but logistically that's extremely hard to pull off. Mm -hmm. it, it will never be fair because they just won't be able to get everyone, maybe like international people. So um, 
All right. Well, I have a tough question for everyone. Yeah, Alex, I have one more thing that I would love to cover. Before Go ahead. We move to the, to the next one. So especially for Sawyer and Gally, like it, it's a critical question, but I think it needs to be um, talked about. And this is about Elon. So what, how concerned are you guys if Elon would get sick? or if he had like an accident in a plane crash or whatever could happen. I mean, we all know that Steve Jobs, he passed away when he was 56. So it can happen to anybody. I'm not really worried about the Tesla part, but what about SpaceX? How, how do you see this, this, this difficult situation um, with regards to Elon? Yeah, you can go first. Uh, I mean, I think that's the biggest risk. And that's why when I people say to diversify into SpaceX, I almost think it's not diversification because the biggest risk for both companies is the exact same, which is something happens to Elon. And that's why they're like the least diversified investments I think you could have. But um, that's to me like the only risk, frankly, is the two biggest risks of investing in SpaceX um, is one, something happens to Elon, that's the same as Tesla. And because you have so much growth priced in on what will happen, that that's the problem. The second is that public sentiment shifts and that we go to like, and I, this might sound like a weird conspiracy theory, but it's genuinely like what I'm concerned about as an investor is like people, capitalism in its current form won't exist. Like people have this like anti-billionaire, anti-wealth creation mentality that's gaining a lot of momentum and going to space represents that and so if if enough people victim like villainize going to space and just see the negative side of it not the positive then that could ruin what spacex is doing so um very good point thank you Sawyer. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, something were to happen to Elon, obviously the key man risk um, at Tesla, I think is less so of an, a mm -hmm. potential problem than SpaceX, because I think, you know, Tesla is such a great uh, team set around Elon. But of course, like Gwen Shotwell in her own right, it's an absolute like machine. So, uh, but yeah, like obviously something happening to Elon is like my biggest concern as well. Uh, Gally, you had a question for us. Thank you. Yeah, this is one thing that I haven't heard anybody articulate is the mathematical bull thesis behind buying SpaceX at $100 billion. What's the upside from $100 billion? And like, I don't want to hear like, oh, we're innovating, like, who knows what they'll come up with next, or this is inspiring. It's like, what are the numbers that justify significant upside from today's valuation? And I think that's a hard question that I struggle with. And I've yet to hear anyone articulate that answer. Yeah, I've actually struggled to that, too. Like, I think there has to be some sort of blind, like, just trust that, like, there's something that we're not thinking of that is just going to pan out and uh, and it's just going to boost SpaceX's valuation. Like, there's definitely some of that involved. Um, yeah, I'm actually curious to hear uh, Jessica's thoughts on that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a difficult one. And I'm not sure I can answer this, actually. Um, well, like personally, I think that, uh, if you're just looking here uh, on earth, you have, of course, like the launch services and, uh, a lot of like science 
uh, currently, like is being done on Earth, like Earth-based uh, uh, telescopes, whether radio or conventional. Uh, and I think that as access to space becomes, you remember like Starship will cost less to launch than basically like Falcon 1, that tiny little rocket. So once that opportunity is available to the to the scientific community, I think a lot of um, we've all heard like the the Webb uh, Space Telescope that's uh, that's going up, uh, and and this is of course again it's like fundamental science like there's no like ROI for for James Webb's telescope, but SpaceX being able to launch all these things and also like uh, for for moon, for the moon. God knows what they're going to come up uh, over there. I think that's one part of it. But another part of it that I I thought of, like, uh, as the episode was beginning, was this launch services, like point to point on Earth. Uh, being able to reach any point on Earth within, like, 40 minutes, whether it's cargo or human passengers, is uh, going to be transformative. And again, there's always going to be a component that you don't want to hear, Galley, that, you know, this could, you know, we don't know what comes from it because we don't know what the... Let, at some point in time in the U.S. history, we didn't know what the West Coast could do. But once we connected them, then there was a huge boom. And look at California today, what it's doing. It could have been possible without initially connecting the East and the West Coast. So what happens when we connect every point on Earth uh, within 40 minutes? It, it, it's but hard to fathom. I would push back on that because I just don't think it, it that'll go mainstream because it requires burning fossil fuels. And I haven't looked into the fossil fuels per like human trip on that, but it's like, so we're going to build Tesla and get off fossil fuels, but then every single air airplane is going to never go electric because it's a starship. Like that doesn't seem like it'll be, it might be a super bougie solution for some really rich people who want to go from New York to Beijing and a super tiny part of the market. But once again, like that doesn't justify it. You know what I mean? And even the science projects, it's like, okay, like, are you really going to get paid 5 billion a year in profit from these launching these science projects? No, it's more like 500 million, you know? So it's, it's difficult to find like Tesla. It's easy. It's like 20 million cars, this much price, this much profit, like SpaceX. It's, there's no equation like that, unless it's like this many trips to Mars, this, I don't know. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here, but yeah, um, it like would make it. me feel better if someone could convince me with a good case. And I have well, not even well, seen imagine any this. the surface on it. Imagine this. You're, you're, you're all about like, you know, startups and everything. At some point, there's a startup that's going to say like, yeah, I want to try like space mining. You know, there's value in that. There's an opportunity. But again, like you need a way to get there. And the, the cheapest solution will be SpaceX. So people might, same as NASA is commissioning uh, SpaceX to build uh, a starship for moon landings, you might have people commissioning SpaceX to actually build something for, let's say, bringing back, uh, like go capturing an asteroid, a small one, and basically mine it. Uh, and, and, and this is where I think uh, initially it'll probably be precious metals, but eventually as the what Omar was mentioning, like the economy of Mars, that's fine. But once you have access to space, it's the economy of the solar system. This is where, you know, every point that's around earth suddenly becomes accessible yeah, I, and you can reach it and develop something there that has value um, for, for the long term. Like you, you can't develop anything into the space if you don't have like water, oxygen and fuel. Like if you don't have those three things, you know, it's uh, an energy, but energy fuel, like 
maybe the same thing. Uh, so, so yeah, there will be lots of startups and lots of new ventures, and it'll all be do be done on the back of the transportation system that can get you there for like a reasonable price and like ninety nine point nine 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 percent safety. Just like airplanes today, you know, it was probably very bougie in the beginning. Now it's like common commonplace. Yeah, I, I, I really like those thoughts. I think there's a lot of possibilities, you know. And to answer your, your question, Gally, is when I think about Starlink, right, it's, it's, it's probably the most known revenue source, right? As Beta, Elon mentioned that they have 100,000 subscribers paying $100 a month. That's $120 million a year in revenue. If they double that, if, you know, they go to 500,000, that's 600 million. If they can get a million subscribers at that number, it's $1.2 billion in revenue, right? That's just the framework. Like, you know, I, I think there's more than a million customers on earth that is in rural areas, traveling in space, you know, air, airplane, ships, you know, leisure out in the desert, out in the mountains that want Starlink. And once that scales, uh, and he can offer to, you know, like I have, my wife's Australian, so her family, they have crappy internet and it's expensive and it's throttled back at 50 to 100 megs, you know, per month, per week, whatever. So they're like complaining all the time. And Starlink, I know is coming up in that area. So I think we're underestimating Starlink quite a bit. I don't know all the details of cost. I know some costs are pretty high at the beginning, but once again, I think Elon's going to figure out a way where this is going to be scalable. And when he rolls it out, so if you go, you know, if he gets 5 million users of Starlink, that's $5 billion of revenue. So in, in, in some ways, it can be seen uh, as you know, transparent as a car business. So that's why I'm excited. And I think that's why Elon's mentioning that once Starlink scales, and has steady revenue that it will be the first to go IPO. And that's when he could say, hey, you have SpaceX, you get X percentage, you know, share of you know, Starlink IPO. And that's how you can create some, you know, kind of equity event and value for his, you know, investors and employees, most importantly, to continue to, to, to innovate and grow the, the other side of the business, like Alex mentioned. I think that's going to be phenomenal. And that's why this is, I look at it as a, a call option on Elon, and, and I agree with the diversification. This is not diversification. You know, this is just more faith in Elon and his you know, ability to innovate and think like an engineer and lead like no leader we've seen. So that's, that's my two cents on the valuation and the revenue on starting. No, thanks a lot, V. Uh, we're going to take a few more callers. Maybe they have an insight. Uh, sorry, Elvis. I'm going to try to skip over and give other people a chance to, to call in. Um, so let me, uh, you, you can come back if we have time, but I'll take, um, take next caller. Ricky, you're up. We lost Ricky. Let's take Amid. Amid, unmute. You're up. Hamid, click the wrong button. <laughs> CR, you're up. He clicked the wrong button. My God, this, this is, is going well. Button click. <laughs> okay, Ricky, second try. It's not your first time on calling, Ricky. So if you mess it up again, it's my fat. Thumb. Ricky, 
<laughs> yes. Uh, hey, first off, golly, I just wanted to say this is a little premonition because you're one of the first people I listen to about investing in Tesla. So thanks. Um, <laughs> we're talking about investing in nice. SpaceX now. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, uh, on, I, I guess two things. First, the devil, devil's advocate role of Starship using fossil fuels. I'm pretty sure it uses methane and oxygen. And right now, Falcon uses something of the equivalent of kerosene. That's why I leave soot all over everything. And I, I can kind of see, I've even heard where Elon Musk said that he would be willing to pay a carbon tax. You know, so that's one thing. And the other thing is the question to how long ago was it that he was practically living in Tesla, working all the time during that ramp in Model 3? And obviously, we've seen in a short amount of time since then what's happened. And he has pretty much let Tesla take off on its own. He's kind of even lately pulled away. Now he's practically living on starships. I, I think that says something like, to to the immediate and soon future starship. Yeah, I love that because it's all about time and energy. That's a, I didn't think of that, but that's something to unpack. If Elon's, this is this is uh, SpaceX's Model Three is Star. Absolutely. I mean, if he if they can get to one hundred percent reusability of a rocket, you talk about what would take it from a uh, hundred billion up. I would say, like, I think he quoted, and I might be wrong on the timetable, but in the last year. SpaceX is responsible for two thirds of the math mass to orbit. Is that correct? I, I, I know it was somewhere along those lines, but I mean, the next step is mass to orbit and, and the capabilities of Starship to carry that mass to orbit. I mean, we're highly dependent right now on what we can put in space, not just in space, but on the moon. And I realize a lot of it's going to be, you know, B2B or government to business. Um, but those contracts are going to be huge. So uh, that valuation is going to increase with the amount of mass taken to orbit. And if he's talking about Starship and its capabilities and how much more mass it can increase, well, I would say right now we're at Falcon 9. The next step is Starship. And that could easily increase that valuation dramatically. Yeah, and just a, a little side note uh, for the the methane um, that they're using for Starship. Um, there's also like uh, Elon launched like the carbon capture X Prize, and uh, I think that's another like puzzle piece into the whole Mars, but also on Earth. He's saying he's trying to create like fuel with it, so at some point he might actually be taking CO two from the atmosphere and just turning into methane and then burning it. Uh, in his starship and returning it to CO2 in the atmosphere and have it like a closed loop cycle. So no need to pay for a carbon tax because, you know, all the, the methane that you're putting onto the starship and burning to get, let's say, to orbit or further is basically going to be recycled uh, indefinitely, taken from the atmosphere, dumped in the atmosphere and so on and so forth. I had not heard that. That's okay, cool. so... Yeah, I, I think everything Elon does, every one of his companies are like linked in some way to the dream of colonizing Mars. Everything is useful and uh, uh, carbon capture because of climate change is useful here on Earth. Uh, 
but basically, if you look at the parameters, they're trying to like a solution that can scale and be like affordable. So this will be uh, very useful for Mars for, for creating fuel over there to like come back or, or stuff like that. But also here on Earth, instead of having deliveries of liquid methane, basically just having a plant that just creates it out of thin air and water. And then just, you know, and if you think about it, once you have the water and you have the, the CO2, then you have both propellants for, for the rocket. So it's continuously being recycled. You're taking it from the atmosphere and dumping it back into the atmosphere. And just in the middle, you use energy. And this energy can very well be solar energy uh, that you use with uh, solar panels and, and stationary storage. Anyway, that was just a side note. Uh, thanks a lot, Ricky. We're moving up with uh, Hamid. All right. I, I think I got You're it right. this time. So, <laughs> Yeah, you did. Thanks, Alex. And hey, good seeing everyone. And um, the, the point I wanted to make is that I think Galley just nailed it in that uh, it's hard to see SpaceX having as much potential, at least in the next decade, um, in the next 10 years, let's say, as uh, Tesla, where Tesla's market size is well known and they're just going to destroy it and continue to grow in that market versus SpaceX's market size. The part that is pretty well known is not nearly as large. Right. So you're, you're talking about two two things in SpaceX. One is payload to space, which is, you know, they're they're already doing two thirds of that payload to space today. And. Uh, gaining roughly two to three billion in revenue from that. So even if payload to space 10Xs over the next 10 years and SpaceX takes all of it, that's roughly a 20 to $30 billion business. Um, and, and then uh, the uh, this sort of satellite business, satellite internet business is mostly going to be focused on rural areas. So it, it'd be hard to imagine it getting more than 10 million new customers or 20 million new customers over the next decade. So again, you're, you're talking about a business that's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 30, 40, $100 billion max, $30 billion to $100 billion range, right, uh, over the next 10 years. And that's a huge amount of growth for SpaceX. I mean, it's still going to be having all kinds of scalability challenges and growth challenges. But during that same period of time, Tesla has an opportunity to hit almost a trillion dollars in revenue just because of the size of the markets that it plays in. And it's already at 50 billion scaling up from there. So big difference in, in that. And that may have already been spoken about earlier in the call, but I missed most of the early uh, half an hour or so. Yeah, my, my thoughts are aligned with you, Hamid, on this. Uh... Go ahead, just. Yeah, I just wanted to say that we're, we're way past one hour already. It's almost one and a f uh, 15, one hour and 15 minutes. Um, but if I, I would like to say a big thank you to Gary for his time and his effort to, to be here. Would you like to add something before we are going to close the room or does anybody else has anything to add? Yeah, no, just thank you for coming on. I've been watching you for years, bro. And, you know, you keep killing it, bro. You're killing it with Hyperquap as well. And I can't wait to see how everything grows. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. I think it's um, it's uh, it's it's fascinating to watch what's going to happen because, like, 
I feel like everything's so sh- sure and certain with Tesla, but SpaceX is just so like this could go so many different ways. So I think it'll be epic to just keep following SpaceX. I'm like, I'm just so curious to know what Elon thinks about this. Like, I would like that's like the one thing that's just on my mind so much is like if we ask Elon, like, why won't you IPO SpaceX? Will you IPO it? What's the true valuation? How do you create value? Like, what are the underlying financials that justify 100 billion? And I think the last um, where my gut instinct is and the last comment I'll make on this is that I think Elon doesn't think SpaceX is can justify the half a trillion dollar valuation that quickly and unlike Tesla. And so that's why he's artificially suppressing the valuation it may seem like because he knows that the exuberance of his fans and the capital markets will overprice their opportunity and then it just sets up everybody for failure. And so that's why he won't take it public and that's why he's restricting the valuation, keeping it lower than he wants because he knows that he doesn't want to have to commit to building a $500 billion company because that's not the goal. So that's kind of why... I think that kind of explains what he's what he's doing. But yeah, huge thanks for Yeah, thanks a lot, Gally. And people right now in the audience, please click on Gally's profile pic and give him a follow. Uh, also check out his YouTube channel if you're if you're you just landed on this planet and you don't know about his YouTube channel yet, you need to go in there and subscribe and, and <laughs> hit this uh, the, the, the notification bell. Uh, amazing content uh, over there. And yeah, thanks a lot, Gally, and everybody for joining us today. Really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, we are going to publish um, a version of this on YouTube, on our uh, official Xpod YouTube channel, probably like tomorrow-ish. So like, especially all the other um, viewers or listeners who do not have mm-hmm. an iPhone yet can, uh, can listen to it starting tomorrow, but I don't need to tell you guys this because you are all on iPhones, so, but tell your friends. Okay, so I'm gonna (laughs) close this room in like five seconds. Thank you everyone for joining. Thank you. Thanks.